What's up, world? Welcome back to Authentically Us, the podcast of all podcasts. Well, not yet. Not yet. Not quite yet. Soon. Um, but Very we are soon. the podcast that talks about what it means to be authentic in everything that you do. In all spaces, we talk about therapy. We talk about life. And today we we have another guest who is just real, keeping it real with us. Yeah. Talk about his life. Um, you know, you got I'm the I'm one of the hosts here, Conroy. You got Tony here with us. Tony, tell the people how excited they should be about this guest. Y- y'all, y'all need to turn it up a little bit more. Pay attention. Get that notebook out. Um, this is a good one. T- talking with Samuel. Perez is a former gay stripper, but now child of God. Peep it. Let's jump right in. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentically Us. Today's guest is Samuel A. Perez. Samuel is a former gay stripper, now child of God, worshiper teacher he has live bible studies every wednesday on instagram and he's has his own podcast called christian in progress what's going on samuel not much man i'm really excited to be on here i'm excited to chat with you guys and be authentic (laughs) oh yes absolutely um yeah tell the people more about who you are Oh, man. Uh, Well, I've definitely had and lived a very interesting life. I think that's been God's plan for me all along. He's definitely taken me on a wild ride from being born in a very Hispanic area in South Florida, Miami, um, and then realizing that I had and was dealing with same-sex attraction and being raised in the church. And, and then trying to escape my very overbearing parents and uh, like moving over to New York City, getting very involved in the queer community and becoming a go-go dancer slash stripper and just <laughs> living la vida loca. Hmm. And, uh, and then traveling around the world and just exploring, trying to find happiness wherever I could and in the midst of the crazy sex and hookups and um travels of Fiji and Australia and also battling depression a bunch of depression all the time and so uh which led me to the feet of Jesus thankfully so now I run a ministry which has been super cool I have an entire online ministry I get to pastor people help people um really give them the help that I didn't really have growing up so that's a little bit about me (laughs) oh man that's so awesome uh, talk to us about what your uh more about your family dynamics growing up. Um, well, it's really interesting. My my family is awesome. I I really am so thankful that I had such incredible parents. Um, my mom and my dad, you know, they stayed together. Uh, but it was difficult because they come from a very different culture than even what is produced today. They come from a culture that is all about being macho and respecting your elders and never trying to do something that nobody else has done, especially coming from Cuba, which um, is a very, I think they'll, they're like under a, what do you call that person when they're like dictatorship, a dictatorship. Exactly. <laughs> they were yeah. under dictatorship and they're, they were told what to do, how to do things. And so that runs deep, especially even transferred over to Miami. Um, there's a lot of Cubans here. And so um, growing up around that, I was very different. Um, I had a very different spirit than everybody in my family, my brothers and my sisters, um, my just singular sister. And uh, I was kind of like the black sheep. And so when I was growing up, I loved like Barbies and I loved music and I loved like my sister's dresses and I just loved life. I was really in love with life. And um that kind of got ruined because um, the more I explored those things, the more my parents were like, this is wrong and you can't do that. And you just have to be like every little boy out there. Um, And then mixing religion into all of that 
which was I loved God, grew up on God, knew every story in the Bible that you could think of. That was all that I could watch growing up was Bible cartoons. And so um, just being raised through that and then just realizing that I didn't really fit the standard of what the Bible is telling me that I should be fitting. And that kind of scared me a lot because I was like, oh, no, I'm not like what the Bible's definition of a man of men look like. And um, does that mean that God hates me or God doesn't love me? And so I was definitely battling with some stuff very early on <laughs> as a kid, a lot of fear. And so, yeah, that was a little bit of my family dynamics, but they were great. Like my dad has worked very, very hard his whole life to provide for, for us, especially being immigrants. Uh, you know, you have to work extra hard. My mom went to school and she was able to get an incredible degree in an incredible field. And so they were incredible providers and they really loved us a bunch and I always try to keep us safe and protected and show us the the true way to God but they were obviously not perfect as well so now you mentioned a couple of things there about you know you kind of not fitting the norm especially um you know being in South Florida Latino parents um at what point did you did you recognize like I am a little bit different than, than the norm. Like maybe, maybe this things are going a little bit different than, than, you know, some of the other, other people around me. Well, you know, I have this like crazy, <laughs> I think I had a dream and um, I just knew that I found other men more interesting than I found women. And so I was always surrounded by women all of the time. My grandma basically raised me while my mom was in school. My dad was like out working and um, I had a lot of cousins. I had a sister. I did share a room with my brother, but he was so different from me. I had nothing in common with him. He liked all the things that I disliked. So he was very basic. He liked like sports and um, like GI Joe and action and uh, there's like that one cartoon on uh, Cartoon Network, which was like the one I think it was like Billy or something like that. It was like with the with the, the Grim Reaper, mm-hmm. and he loved that cartoon. I hated that cartoon. I thought it was so dumb. <laughs> I, I wanted to watch like like Hannah Montana and stuff, and so <laughs> just anything that came to singing. And so um, I just found like uh, guys like very just otherworldly. Like I was like I don't understand like men. I'm not like them. Like if anything, I'm more like a girl. Mm. And so um, I had this dream one time that I was like, this is like the the youngest I can remember of like having that differences besides like my characteristics and the things I liked. Um, I had a dream that there was like this big fire and I was like in a church building. And at the time there's like the church that I was going to, the, the pastor's kid was like very good looking. Every girl had like a crush on him. And uh, it was the, the the church was on fire. And actually looking back at it now, I'm like, maybe this was a prophetic dream because some stuff went down in that church. I'm like, oh man. Um, but yeah, the, the whole church was on fire. And then the guy had like burned his shirt and then he had like come out and he was like, he had abs and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, like abs <laughs> as a little mm-hmm. kid. And so um, I was like sexually attracted to uh, the pastor's kid. And so, um, yeah, I think that was like some moments that I realized I'm like, wait a second, I'm, I'm not like the other kids. Also, just like I love to play games that like other boys did not like to play. Like I was so imaginative. Mm-hmm. I was so creative. I liked mm-hmm. like playing this one game that was like called Volcano. And I think I'm, I don't know. I, it's like the floor is lava. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I loved playing that. And like um, the other boys didn't want to play that with me because I don't know, required too much imagination or something. I have no idea. Um, but like my brother thought mm-hmm. that game was stupid and no, none of the neighborhood kids wanted to play that. They wanted to like go out and skateboard or I don't know, play some sport. And I was like, I'm not interested. Like I want to play four floors lava. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so definitely very different, th- very different experiences for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, so, so talk to us about your, when did you come out? to people you knew oh my my coming out story was uh the scariest thing i ever had to go through um 
I remember that I had a lesbian friend at the time and she was bisexual, I think. Yeah, she was bisexual. And I didn't, I knew that I had to tell my parents, but I didn't know when or if I ever would because I was so scared of their reaction and what they could do. I was in eighth grade at the time and I was in just so much fear of like, oh my gosh, what if they kick me out of the house? What if they disown me? What if they hate me? Um, and so my my bisexual friend, she told me, hey, I'll come out to my parents if you come out to yours and we'll do like this little pact together. And um, mm -hmm. and that way, like if something does happen, like we have each other, which was really nice for her um, of her. And um, and so I went home that day and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. Like she kind of gave me like the, the bravery to go through with it. And my mom was home and I told her, uh, I really need to talk to you. And as soon as I said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot take it back. Like, it was like, yeah. I have to go through with this now. She mm -hmm. knows there's something up. And so I sat her down and I just told her like, you know how you told me that you would always love me no matter what? And she was like, yes. And I was like, well, I think I'm gay. And I really like my best friend because at the time I had like a, a big crush on my best friend who was a guy and he was like the first ever guy friend that I ever had or took an interest in me at all. And so um, she just basically was like, okay, I love you. Like nothing's ever going to make me stop loving you, but you have a choice in this life, which is either you do what God wants you to do. And uh, you get to like, I guess, go to heaven. <laughs> that was a very simple way of mm -hmm. her putting it. Mm -hmm. Or um, you do whatever you want to do and you know where you're going to end up if you do that, which was, you know, hell. And um, I was like, well, I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> and so she, that's when my mom like already knew that there was something up, but she like, I guess was waiting for me to reveal it. And so she started looking into different camps and different ministries that could help someone like me, especially since I was like sort of open. But then when I finally told her, I realized that it wasn't such a big deal that I had made it out to be in my mind. Like it was a good delivery. My dad was a different like way different animal like it was he he wasn't the the most gen, um, merciful with mm -hmm. me um but still kind you know just like very not emotionally there and so um my mom tried to get me some help that's when i went to different ministries like exodus which before they shut down just um was a big ministry for people who wanted who had same-sex attraction or gender confusion who wanted to come to christ um, and then they got shut down because there's a lot of bad stuff happening in the ministry. Yeah. Um, but I went to one of their last meetings and so there's a Netflix movie about it mm -hmm. and, um, one of their last meetings and then, uh, and then, yeah. And then I was like, you know what? Like, I don't really want to do this. I just like, I already came out. Like now I kind of want to see what's on the other side. You know, I want to yeah. like, see if I can get a boyfriend, which was my biggest thing. I just wanted to like find love. Mm -hmm. I really, really wanted to like mm -hmm. find love. And um, I thought that if I were to come out and tell my parents, then I would have an opportunity to get a boyfriend and then like have the fairy tale ending and just like get married and die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, I did want to ask because I know a lot of um, Latino parents uh, families come from the, the Catholic background. Is that is that true for you guys or well, I feel like it's a little bit different because i'm in san diego now and there's a lot of mexicans who come from the latin or the uh, catholic background or you get latinos and i'm talking church experiences that like come from a very charismatic pentecostal background is any of those true for for your family uh well my parents actually came from not catholicism but santeria Mm -hmm. which was my dad's side of his family. He, they came from um, Christianity. They were always Christian. I don't know who, who gave them the good news and who converted them. Um, for my dad's side of the family, actually, um, we are Sephardic Jewish. So it's like a, a sect of Jew, Jewish people that traveled to Spain. Mm -hmm. And then that's where our, our last name comes from, from Perez. It's like a, a sect of Judaism. Mm -hmm. And so um, at some point they became Messianic and my family got to Cuba somehow and my mom's side of the family, they, I think they're also from Spain as well, but they were into like, my grandma was into witchcraft. So that's what something oh, wow. is. It's like, um, all that stuff. It's, it's a form. They got African voodoo mm. and they, to convert people, the 
Catholics just basically were like, oh, the, these are the gods that you serve, which are just like demons. And they're like, well, that's like St. Uh, Mary and St. John. And and they just replaced the demon's name for saint names. And so oh, wow. they just continue with the magic. And they're like, we converted them. And so that's where Santeria comes from. It's like very popular in the Caribbean. Mm. And mm. Um, and so that's kind of the background my mom came from. But um, she, when she met my dad, he introduced her to Christianity and she was like very open because she never liked Santeria. That was more my grandma's thing. Mm. And then my grandma eventually converted as well. So that was great. Yeah. So <laughs> wow. then I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, especially, um, you know, coming out in eighth grade and you kind of talking about like your mom kind of giving that ultimatum. And I, I feel like the way she did it was a very sweet way. Um and you said it was a bit di bit different experience with your with your dad. Could you touch a little bit on that? Yeah, my dad. Um, I don't know if he remembers this. If he, he was having a bad day or something. It's not really in the character of my dad to do something like this. Um, but he just like picked me up one day and from school, and then I knew it was coming because I didn't tell him anything, but I knew my mom was going to tell him. And so he's just like, "I don't care what you do with your personal life. Just don't talk to me or my family about what you do." And mm. it was like total, just like rejection. Mm. Like, I don't want anything to do with wow. your emotions, your feelings. And it was really rough to hear that. Um, but I think it was just like something he was not capable of understanding or, or knowing. And so that was the only response that he had. I think like also when you're raised a certain way, um, like we look at that and we're like, oh my God, that's horrible because like we're so exposed to so many different things in our culture that we can respond to certain things with a lot of mercy. Um, but back mm -hmm. then that was the worst of the worst, you know, um, that just meant that you were going to, you know, get a disease, HIV AIDS, and you were going to die a horrific death and um, alienated from, from your uh, everywhere, from your entire community. You would always be an outsider. And so, um, yeah, I think it just came from all that background of different opinions. Uh, and of course, the world has progressed now much more, which mm. I'm, I'm thankful for to some extent. Like a lot of people are like, oh, we don't want gay marriages and we don't want this or we don't want that, especially conservatives. And I'm really thankful that we have progressed a little bit because at least people can be free about how they feel now instead of hiding how they feel. Yeah. yeah. Um, because yeah. the more they hide it is the less we can actually help them with that. But yeah. the more things are out in the open, the more we can help people. And so um, as a society, it's kind of like it went back instead of going forward, because even if you read in like, let's say, for example, like in uh, Roman culture, Greek culture, homosexuality was kind of accepted. Like it was like everyone did like pedophilia and homosexuality and they had goats and stuff. And then like society through, I think, I think really uh, Catholicism and Christianity, they like reverted a lot of those things back and they put a lot of shame and guilt on people to not do those things, which are good things. You know, I'm not advocating for like having sex with goats or <laughs> homosexuality or anything like that. Um, but at the same time, it uh, created this environment of, of hate and almost Deuteronomic, uh, Deuter Deuteronomic, I don't know if that's a word, but it's like, the old testament yeah. thinking yeah. Um, yeah it's just like you do wrong we'll kill you for doing wrong instead of like what jesus came to give which was like you're a sinner i have love to offer to you and that's what will transform you and so yeah yeah so speaking of like people hiding from from when you knew you were gay until the time you came out what was that experience like of just being in the closet? Um, it was horrible. It was uh, like a part of me was always hiding and I always had to hide it in order to be accepted by other people. And so I learned to never show my true colors because if I did, I would put myself in danger like real danger. Mm. Uh, there are people in my school that would beat me up if they knew that I liked other men. Mm. And uh, it was very scary at any point for someone to be like, you're gay or you're a faggot or you're this or you're that. And I would be so scared 
of just like my life being taken from me, which actually didn't yeah. happen and still happens today to a lot of uh, transvestites and gay people all around the world. Um, some places where it's illegal to be gay and you can literally go to prison or be put to death still. And so um, it was very, very scary. Um, and then it also like, I think did something to me psychologically of like fear of man and fear and just looking for the approval of people all the time to ensure my safety. And so, yeah, it was deep for a kid yeah. to, have to go through all that. And then yeah. you also have to grow up so fast when you go through something like that, because it's like, you have to take care of yourself. You don't mm. have anybody taking care of you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you coming out in eighth grade, like how old are you when you're eighth grade? 13, 14? Yeah, I was like 14, 15. So that was a huge deal. Yeah, right. So I'm, I'm, I'm just only yeah. thinking about an, an eighth grader coming out. And then having to go through high school still mm -hmm. and yeah. growing up, you know, like you were saying in, in a Latino family, also being a part of the church. So did you experience any like church hurt like throughout that process? Um, I mean, because hearing your story now, like you're, you're pastoring people in the same situation, but I could only imagine, especially when I think about the church, even like when you know, where Tony and I come from when we were younger, it's like being gay or homosexual, like that's not even talked about. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I definitely did experience, uh, just weird. I, I like, I mean, you would just go to church and you would hear that, you know, gay people were going to hell and that they were the worst and Sodom and Gomorrah and like that's why Sodom was destroyed because of gay people and because of gay sex and it was just horrible theology mm -hmm. um and and that's what really led me to want to become a pastor want to study the bible for myself because I'm like does the bible mm -hmm. really say these things or are yeah. men saying these things and so it it lit a fire inside of me to say you know what what do I actually believe and so I went to school for mm -hmm. biblical literature after I got into <laughs> Jesus and mm -hmm. um, I started studying all that stuff. And, and I realized, no, that wasn't that wasn't why Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Sodom and Gomorrah was wicked. It was completely wicked. That was just a result of it being wicked um, in so many ways. But um, it wasn't because men were having sex with men. There's plenty of people plenty of men having sex with men anywhere else mm. <laughs> um has always been happening it's nothing new nothing fresh but um yeah it i just i had to get the answers for myself of what god thought about everything and what was his solution and, and plans yeah. and so growing up with that i was treated very differently in the church obviously um but it wasn't horrible like i never had any crazy experiences besides like the whole deliverance things which was like um oh, you know, you have a gay demon inside of you that needs to be delivered or this, this and that. And, uh, but besides that, I actually had a lot of people that were very encouraging to me. Um, people, which mm. was the Holy Spirit, obviously. Um, yeah. I went to very charismatic churches growing up and people just randomly come up to me and they just be like, you're going to be famous one day. And like, you're going to help so many people. And then like, there would be other people that like, you're going to write a book and you're going to be a singer and you're going to do this. And like, just like every time I would walk into church, it was someone that had a word for me and that didn't happen to my brother or sister. <laughs> so I knew it was special and I'm literally living all those things that those people said I would be doing today. And so, um, that was encouraging that I knew that God had a plan for me, despite what the church was making me feel some people yeah. in the church, obviously. Um, so I had some encouraging moments and then I had some, but then also that was still scary too, because I'm like, why am I going to be famous for Like, you know, like I yeah. understand, I always thought it was going to be like for singing. Cause I, I love to sing and I, I lead worship now, which is super cool. But, um, here I am talking about being a gay stripper. <laughs> so <laughs> life is funny that way. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so talk to us how you think the church could love the gay community better man i don't think it's as hard as people make it out to be um Come i think on. you just have to treat people like you treat everybody else and i don't think the church even loves heterosexual people all that well either <laughs> um mm. 
I think first off, we want to make sure that we know that there's no difference between homosexuals, heterosexuals, transvestites, uh, lesbians, uh, drag queens, than there are to any any other person. They're, they are mm. a sinner in need of, of saving from Jesus. And that's as simple as it is. And then also they're in need of love. And so even mm. to look at someone and say that mm. they are just evil is a wrong way of looking at them. Like when my friends say, do you think that what I'm doing is wrong? I think what they're asking is, do you think I'm wrong? Do you think I'm evil? Wow. And, yeah. um, and I like, no, my response is just always like, no, I, I think God loves you. Like you are his creation and you have an identity from him. Mm. And so if I can view people in that light and know that Jesus died for them and loves them so much more than I could possibly imagine, um, I'm going to treat them in that way. And so I try not to make what they do their identity, but I try to see them from the perspective like Jesus sees them. And Jesus was always saying, especially in the gospels, um, that people would see themselves in the light of how he saw himself in relationship to the father. He was always praying like, God, let them know that um, they can, they can be in you the way that I am in you and you are in me and we are like one together. And so um, I think a good way to love uh, lesbians, gay people, transgenders is just to see them the way that Jesus sees them um, and, and offer mm -hmm. to them the introduce mm -hmm. to them what what God has done for you in your life, not through personal evangelism, but through actions. I think actions yeah. speak louder than words. So whatever that may mm. look like, maybe it's paying someone's rent so that they don't need to like, I know a lot of um, transgender that they're sex workers. Now I don't necessarily think they want to be sex workers, but they can't really find normal jobs. Um, it's rare. And so they end up just prostituting themselves for money uh, to pay their rent or to eat or to have a certain lifestyle. So maybe giving them some money is an action of love so that they won't have to do the things that they know they need to do. Um, even offering to them community and friendship that is not conditional on their behavior, but is um, just unconditional love. They need that too, because if they want to get community and friendship, they're going to go to the LGBTQ community. And that's filled with drugs and sex and party and clubbing. And it's probably not the best way to meet people. Um, and so, but that's just like, you know, a majority standard. It's not like that everywhere. Yeah. But, uh, I think it's just simple, like just go out there and love people the way that Jesus asked us to love yeah. people with our actions, um, with our money, with our time, with our resources. And I think that's very hard for people to do because we are naturally selfish and, but the Holy spirit will instruct you on how you can do that for people. And, and like I said, treat them as if they are not different, treat them as if, mm -hmm. as if they, um, are not the worst of the worst because they're not, you know? Um, and so I think when you do that and you invite them and share your world with them and ask to see their world as well, um, they'll let you in and, and then you feel from the Holy spirit, what to do from there. Like there is a way that, um, I had, I think I talked about this one time on a podcast that, um, these two uh, gay friends that I have, they're like a couple, they asked me to go to the gay club with them. I did not want to go to the gay club. And I did not even want to be seen in a gay club. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm over here with this testimony, like, people, what are people going to think? But then at the same time, I thought, um, this is my opportunity to, to talk to them about Jesus and to hang out. And if that's where they want to hang out, then I'm going to go there. I'm going to be mm -hmm. there with them. And uh, I went to the to the club with them. And they were dancing and I was just standing on a wall, like so bored not want to be there. Um, and then after we went out to eat and when they, when they saw that I would do whatever they wanted me to do, they gave me an opportunity to talk about what I wanted to talk about, which was Jesus yeah. and how he changed my life. And so they listened to me because I listened to them mm. and, uh, mm. I planted That's a seed so for them that day. Yeah. And I, I, I like, I had been friends with them already for a while at the gym and I planted a seed and now it's God's responsibility to do what he wants with that. Um, and just continue to love on them when they need me and try to be a good friend to them when I can. And that goes not just for gay people, but for everybody. I try to be a good friend to everyone, obviously mm. not perfect, but working on that, like 
that's what Jesus wanted us to do in John, I think chapter 17 or 16, he says like, like I give you this one commandment, love one another the way yeah. that I've loved you. And that was what he was so concerned about. He wanted us to love each other because that's the only way that this world is going to be fixed. It's going to be through the, through the father's love. And so, yeah. Mm. That's so good. That's so yeah, good. Okay. That's a really good perspective too about, um, Sometimes the people who are, you know, prostitutes are, you know, selling their bodies. That's like their only option. And maybe like you said, I thought that was amazing. Maybe an act of love is giving them money to give them another option. Yeah. So I thought that I thought that was that's just a, that's just a perspective on what you said. That I'm like, well, I never even like yeah. thought about that. So thank you for that. Um, I did want to I did want to kind of touch on like what did your life look like like you met like in your intro when you discussed like everything you said you were in fiji new zealand new york like you've been all over so like what did your life look like as like were you full-time stripping or like like what did that look like i only did uh the go-go dancing the stripping when i was in new york um mm-hmm. uh, um, and so I was only in New York for eight months. I was living in Brooklyn at the time at Bed-Stuy, <laughs> where Jay-Z is from. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I only did that because I really needed money to pay my rent. My mom was helping me out and stuff, but I still had to pay half of it. And it was very expensive, even paying half of that. I had like a one-bedroom uh, apartment in Brooklyn and like a brand new building. It's very expensive. <laughs> and um, And so... Yeah, I did that um, in New York, but then I got a job on a cruise ship. And so the cruise ship is what allowed me to travel the world. And Mm. I grew up in Miami. My family was always doing cruise ships all the time. Um, It's like a, that's where you do quinceañeras and stuff. And so (laughs) it's like part of our culture. And it's very easy because it's like the port of Miami is right there. So there's like seven, eight boats, you know, and so I always thought it would be cool to work on a cruise ship. I was like, how cool would it be to just be on the sea and visiting these awesome islands and to see the behind the scenes of how something like this works. And um, yeah, I got, that was like my dream job. Like I was so excited to get that, that job. I was going to be hosting. So doing stuff like bingo and karaoke and just making the guests have a fun time. Fortunately, I had a really bad team and they like were the worst to work with. I only had one girl who was very nice, just like me. And my other team was extremely racist. That can happen sometimes when you are working on a boat with people from every nation all around the world. They have perceptions and different things. And so um, I was treated horribly, unfortunately, and I didn't have the best time on there, but you know, everything is from God. And so, Mm. um, yeah, I was able to travel with that. And, uh, I wasn't doing stripping at the time or anything like that. Um, yeah, that only happened. I mean, I did think about it when I did get back from that, I was only on contract for two months and then I was supposed to do a six months contract, but then I ended up not being able to handle it anymore. And being out in the middle of the ocean, it's a lot. Uh, (laughs) I can see why like, uh, in the movies, like the guys, they go crazy, like on boats and stuff, start eating each other. I can see that happening. <laughs> Gosh, um, <laughs> yeah, you go crazy, you go crazy. I bet. And um, and so I think that what do they call that cabin fever? Yeah, cabin fever. Yeah. yeah. And so when I got back home, I was like, oh, what do I do? And I I got into personal training. And so I was a personal trainer before I went on the ship. And then I was like, it was kind of just like also something about gate culture as well is that you especially if you download like grinder at a young age or everything is about sex and gay culture it's about attraction and so you're kind of like only useful to people especially down here in miami i would say more so than other places but you're only useful to people if you are hot or you have a good body or if you have an amazing job with a lot of money it's very Mm. shallow and so um I wanted to be appealing to people because once again, I was looking for that love. I was looking for friendships and people to admire me and, um, and just be loved on. And so I thought about stripping again, but I couldn't do that with (laughs) staying with my parents. And so if they found out they were going to be pissed Mm -hmm. and they found out 
last time as well. So I was like, mm, better not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Would you say um, the boat probably was like a saving grace? Like kind of pulled yeah. you out of that lifestyle? Because, I mean, you, you said you did it for eight months. Eight months is still a long time, but like eight months is not two years. Yeah, I am very grateful that I got that job and I was like writing hard on getting that job. I, it was funny because I, I had sent in an application before and I was like, how does anybody get hired in this dang company? Because I was like, they don't seem to be answering applications. And so I did like my investigator work and I was like, who is the hiring company for this company? And I went on LinkedIn and I found emails and I emailed random people and just like, pretended to be someone else and i was like hi i'm from hr you know whatever like who's the manager in charge of blah 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 and like i found an email finally and this woman she was like oh yeah i have a person that i can get you connected with um they're the ones that are going to do the hiring process that'll get you on board like immediately and it was like the easiest interview ever uh because obviously those kind of companies they want to go for people in third world countries where they can pay them less and stuff. So rarely ever do Americans get hired on cruise ships in general. Oh. And so um, I was so thankful that I got that job. Very thankful. And um, it took me out of New York, which I desperately needed to get out because I just met the worst people in that environment. Mm. I met some good people too, but just some very broken, broken individuals. And um, I I hope you know, I, I've had like, I think already like three of my friends pass away that I knew from that community, mm -hmm. um, either to disease or cancer. I had one friend of an overdose and drugs. And so it's just broken people looking for love. And so of course I didn't have the best experiences there, but I hope to God that, um, the church can reach out to that community and help save some people the way that, you know, the Lord has been gracious with me that's my hope because even though i didn't have the best experiences hmm. um my only hope would be that they would be able to meet jesus the way that i did because uh, hmm. i have love for them still i have such a love for that community and the people involved and they are beautiful individuals hmm. i still watch like rupaul's drag race from time to time and see drag queens and i think they are incredible people and hmm. um i wish for them to just be able to find love in in the god of this universe and um hopefully it will you know hopefully god will set up revival in that community yeah so i wanted to touch again on you uh how you came to know jesus you you talked a little bit about wanting to be curious about what the bible had to really say about homosexuality but is there more to your uh jesus testimony um yeah i mean i think it was a, just a very simple encounter i was super depressed and suicidal like i won't go into all the details because i have a whole youtube video about it if people want to watch it very long very intense um my most popular video but i yeah i just was very depressed suicidal and the lord just met me in my room and had an encounter with him it wasn't at church it wasn't through a pastor it was just with him in my room and um from then on that's mm. when i just got hungry for the lord and so i'm really glad that that's the way that god did it because if it would have been done any other way i think people would have tried to disprove my relationship with god and even mm. still today i have even christians that will be like no like you're not really with god because you still have same-sex attraction or you know, you still have this demon inside of you or this and that you're not really saved or, you know, whatever. And, um, I, I think my life speaks for itself. <laughs> yeah. I would not be able to do half, half of the stuff that I do if I didn't have a relationship with God and he wasn't working through me and re renewing me every single day, sanctifying me, just like he's sanctifying everybody else. Um, so I'm glad that that's the way that it happened. Yeah. Uh, he, he can get all the glory. He can get all the praise. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, any brainwashing from any church or um mm. any pastor that was kind to me it was just him so yeah i'm thankful for that <laughs> i mean i, I think Man. we can all agree that sometimes christians suck <laughs> but at the end of the day yes. we're human yes. so i think I, what the the root of it is that humans suck um at times and yes. um, yeah. doesn't matter what community you're part of 
And I, I mean, you've, you've attested for that in multiple just areas you've been in, in your life. Um, but I, I, I want, I w- I'm curious to know, like you mentioned, you know, depression, you mentioned like being in really dark places. Um, did, have you sought out therapy or gone through therapy? Cause Tony and I are huge believers yeah. in Jesus plus therapy, because I think that's like a great combination. And, you know, him and I both have gone or are going through therapy that have uncovered and grown us to the, to the people we are today. And I'm, I'm curious if that is yeah. something that you've explored or even thought about. Yeah, actually God hooked me up. So, um, I, I had Grinder in New York and there's this ad that came through Grinder, and it was like, we're looking for men from this age, to this age, we're doing a study for Yale and you'll get free therapy for two years. And, uh, you just have to come in like once a month and do like therapy and then like answer like a questionnaire at the end. And so at first it was like once a month for like a year. And then it was like, uh, every three months for like the next year or something like that. And so I learned a lot about myself through that process of doing those therapy sessions. It was really mm-hmm. awesome. And then I asked, actually learned what therapy is, which is just like asking yourself the inner why always. And so mm-hmm. you can pretty much be your own therapist at times if you understand that and know that. Um, and so I tend to have like therapy sessions with God and I just ask myself the why, because I'm like, that's all they did. <laughs> like that's all the psychology would, uh, psychologists would do. I mean, they, they have obviously tools and education that can help you. Uh, when you do uncover that why to help you understand things a little bit better, obviously. Um, so great stuff, but um, yeah, you can do that with the Holy spirit as well. Mm. And so um, I learned, I'm like, okay, did therapy for two years. I can do this on my own and the comfort of my room. Um, it would be so helpful to have that now for free as well. That'd be great uh, to, to do that with someone that I trust and that has a degree in that, that has tools to offer. Um, but yeah, I, I do that. I'm really glad for those sessions because mm-hmm. now I can really uncover my emotions, how they work, what's okay, what's not okay, and then bring that into scripture. So that's what I tend to do for a lot of people, especially online. I think people just want to be listened. Yeah. And so when you yeah. listen to them, they can uncover their own problems. And when they uncover the, yeah. their problems, you just ask them, what do you think Holy Spirit wants to do with that? And they know the answer. Holy Spirit's always working, always speaking. And so uh, they're able to be like, I think God wants me to do this and so do it do it then. Mm-hmm. That's how, like, once you yeah. uncover that, that's how you should do things. So, um, yeah, I've been super helpful. Definitely would recommend that, especially, uh, Christian therapy. But I think the problem now, even with Christian therapy is that it's getting tainted by the world. And so I like, I've had therapists that they like, I've heard of therapists that they're like, Oh, just be gay. You know, like Christian therapists that they're like saying to people, just follow your emotions because in modern day psychology, that's what they want. Hmm. That's the problem is that psychology on its own doesn't fix anything. We need Jesus to fix our problems. And so um, all the psychology is good for is for uncovering those problems, finding, trying to find resolutions, but the resolutions are in Jesus. They're in his word. And so um, the resolutions to modern psychology would be just do what makes you happy basically. And that's what they were telling me to do in therapy. And then what, from what I've heard from um, not every Christian therapist, obviously, but now it's become even more and more tainted with the world's lifestyle because there is a medical association and um, they have to do things in a certain way. And so things are getting stricter and stricter. Um, Like I'm sure the government is going to really crack down on this in the next couple of years, just like in Canada. In Australia, you cannot even pray for someone who's gay. Um, If you're caught praying for someone who's gay, um, you can go to jail. And so psychologists can't tell people, yeah, discover Jesus. And this is what Jesus wants for you. They have to tell them, just do whatever makes you happy, no matter if they're a Christian, you know, therapist. Mm. So um, I think that's coming to America very soon. So we have to be careful with that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think... uh... I, you know, I, 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 you've gone through so much and I, and I love how you're, what you're doing now, um, with, you know, pastoring people. Now, do you do that all virtually? And if so, like, how can, like, is that like, 
how can people get i guess get to you to, yeah. to do that because i feel like there's so many people who would benefit from your story who will benefit from you yeah. from specifically samuel listening to them like how can <laughs> how can people get to you <laughs> thanks man i appreciate that um yeah i think um i do do a bunch of stuff online so i have a discord and right now we're in construction of the discord changing some things up that are going to be helpful with people i'm only one individual though i can't be there for every single person yeah and so i would love to do one-on-one individual calls it wouldn't be possible unless i start charging people for that because that takes up a ton of time and i don't want to do that i want every resource in my ministry to be something that's free and so um i'm not gonna like start being like hey you want to have some time with me it's gonna cost you 120 dollars for an hour you know um and so i have a discord where uh, i try to make myself available um and i am there individually for people in case of emergencies and stuff but i have a ton of calls that i do on there so if people are not aware discord is just like a community chat app where you can do video calls and audio calls and there's chat rooms and stuff and so we have different chats for different topics and we've created an online church on there and so i lead calls my leadership team they lead calls there's a call for ssa women and there's prayer calls and then there's a call with just me just talking theology there's a call every thursday um as like our church service call you know our weekly bible study um Mm -hmm. even though we do more than one and um, that's a place where people can get connected to community. So if they can't get connected to me personally, which I make myself super available to everyone, so they definitely can, um, <laughs> but they have other people they can go to as well. Um, and so I pass around there, but I'm also a huge advocate for prayer houses. So houses of prayer, love IHOP, I love Upper Room, love Greenhouse, love, um, you know, uh, what's the other one? Uh, resting Place in New Jersey all friends. Mm. And, uh, I want to build a house of prayer here in Miami. That's my ultimate goal. Yeah. Um, a place for God and his spirit and for worship Mm. and, and so, and for discipleship and mission training. And so, um, doing that, I do a little bit of that here in person. We do that once a week on Fridays. And so we're growing that like in-person community. It's very hard in the middle of Miami, very distracted, very attacked by principality city. Um, but hoping for revival and hoping that, you know, God will do something cool with an online community as well as still sticking by my, um, uh, I'm sorry, in-person community, still sticking by my online community as well. And, uh, working on some projects, um, also like working with another ministry that's called global catalytic ministries coming up and doing some stuff for them through social media, which is they work with underground churches and they help bring Muslims to, uh, Christ basically. And so, um, yeah, I'm just kind of dipping my toes pretty much everywhere as much as I can. But the main important thing for me is discipleship and prayer. And so if we're praying, because it sums up the two commandments, which is to love God. So you're praying, you're coming into communion with God, you're loving Mm. him and obeying him. And then also um, to love one another, which is to go out the Great Commission and just love people and make them disciples of Christ. And so um, that's, I think, my biggest to do. And um, and then, of course, doing that in the communities where God has me in, which is, you know, LGBTQ community, uh, but not strict, not just, you know, restricted to that, because actually I work with a lot of people who are heterosexual who just want to go deeper in God's word, because I think really my biggest community would be people who have had horrible church experiences or who have had yeah. bad theology um, who are looking for answers that nobody's been able to give them, give it to them. So I've used all of my research and academics, um, things that I've been through, through a degree process, um, and bring that to accessibility to people who don't have access to that, um, and help clarify things for them so that they can have a thriving, amazing relationship with Jesus. Mm, that's so good. Um, Samuel, what does it mean to be authentically you? Authentically me? Uh, um, I think it just, to me, I'm a lover. And so I'm a lover of God's presence, first and foremost. I, I think since I lacked love, 
I get to experience love and God like on a deep level. So I'm a lover through my worship. Mm. I'm a lover um, through obedience in him to love other people. And, um, and I think a big part of me is just that I'm very honest. I'm very just vulnerable. And um, no one will ever have to expose me because I'll expose myself before people try to expose me. And I think mm. uh, I think everybody should live that way. Mm. I always have been brave to be like, this is me. Mm. Um, I'm not going to create an idea of me. This is mm. who I am. And oh, I'm not scared good. of being who I am because um, it's just me. I, you know, who else am I going to be? <laughs> and so um, I think that's what it means to be like authentically me. It's just a lover, God's presence and um honest and vulnerable and trying to chisel at that good side of me as much as i can because um the world would want anything but for you to be those things those amazing gifts that god has placed in you um and so i have to work at that even even though it is me i still have to work at being honest being vulnerable and letting that shine and i think that's Mm -hmm. what people will really see in me that they they like about me Mm -hmm. is that they're like, I can, I, I've never heard anyone say half the things that you say and, and you do it so bold and brave. And so, um, I think people admire that. And, uh, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad I have something people <laughs> like, and, uh, and then there's people who hate me for it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, there's yeah. that too. So it's not always the best, but <laughs> that's what it means to be me, I guess. <laughs> Oh, Samuel, this is so good. Uh, We want to transition to our next segment called Rapid Fire. (laughs) So how this will work is uh, we'll ask you three questions. First thing that comes to mind, don't pass go, don't collect $200. First thing, so hit them with it, Roy. All right. You can't you can't open your Discord chat and ask your people either. These are the first <laughs> things. Um the first thing is pineapples on pizza. Yes or no? Yes, 100%. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Tastes My great, man. man. So good. All right. <laughs> I love love Hawaiian pizza. That's great. Who's your biggest inspiration? My biggest inspiration. Oh man. Um I th- think oh, this is a hard one. Oh man. Uh I think the first person that comes to my mind is Jackie Hill Perry. Mm. I do like the mm-hmm. earlier work that yep. she did. Um I'm not like a huge fan of the stuff she's doing now. Um, uh, but I did like what she used to do. And so she used to talk about her testimony a lot. And uh, she's really like the only person in my life that like uh, stood up for gay people when nobody would in the church. So I really mm-hmm. admire her for that. So she's a big inspiration to me. Her book That's was awesome. great. Yes. And, like just opened my eyes to so many things. Um, okay. Oh, yeah. What would you say your biggest highlight of your life so far? If you could wrap it up in like, one highlight biggest highlight of my life um i think it would be just being able to worship and play piano and uh, guitar for a really long time i wanted to be a musician and so um god made that possible for me and i could get emotional thinking about it because that was never possible for me before never had the Mm -hmm. discipline never had uh the Mm -hmm. abilities to do so and so now i get to lead worship all the time and uh i think it's even gonna progress more so i think a big highlight is just anytime i'm doing worship uh and i get to play my piano and sing on my guitar i think that is like awesome that's a place where i love to be there's like this song that's called in your presence it's where i belong you know and like that's like my life like i'm like that's where i belong it's just like with my guitar and my piano just singing to god Mm. That's so mm. awesome. And I, That's obviously, so dope. I can relate because I lead worship too. So this is, uh, <laughs> that's like my, 
my jam. But yeah. um, Samuel, this has been so amazing. I know you kind of already mentioned some of the things, but um, where else can people find you or reach out to you? I know you mentioned your Discord, but what else you got planned? What else? Where else can people find you? Well, you can find everything that I do on my website, SamuelAbrahamPerez.com. It's my full name. Um, if people want to give to my ministry as well, support me. I am full-time minister. And so, I, like I said, I want to continue to do things for free, like podcasts and um, discipleships and all that stuff. But things cost money. And so, a lot of things, <laughs> there's a lot of bills to be paid when it comes to online stuff and making things accessible for people. And so um, people can go on my website, support me there through uh, di different means. And uh, yeah, you can find everything on there. I'm on TikTok, YouTube. I have a podcast. My Discord is called Christian Progress. Um, my link tree has all those things as well. Uh, pretty much if, if there's any social media, I'm probably on there already creating content. So <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, I'm everywhere, Twitch as well. So you can find all of that on my website, SamuelAbrahamPerez.com. Well, y'all heard it here first. Find him everywhere. He's everywhere. If you open your phone, that app, he's there too. Guys, this has been amazing. Um, Samuel, we're so grateful for you. Thank you for sharing your story and being bold enough to, to step out in faith. Truly, it has been stepping out in faith. So thank you again yeah. for hopping on our podcast. Tony and I are so grateful. Um, yeah, until you. next time, Samuel, be authentic in everything that you do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all you got. That's all you got. Well, it was just, it just was a, it was refreshing to, oh, for sure, to just hear a, another perspective of LGBT community. LGBTQ plus community and just how you know one of I guess one of the things that stood out to me the most was this story about like you know how can we better love the gay community and when he mentioned about you know maybe just giving a stripper or prostitute money just to help because maybe they don't want to be in this lifestyle and this is their only way I thought that was just so that was just another perspective I just never thought about yeah, I, I, you know, when when he said it's not that hard to love them, I was like, yes, <laughs> like absolutely, because I, I feel like so often in the church we paint um, the gay community as like the unreachable community for Jesus and. You know, Samuel's a testament that, you know, they're not unreachable. Like, Samuel has encountered the love of Jesus, and he's clearly on fire for God. And mm -hmm. so, like, that can't be taken from him. So, it was good. Yeah, I agree. And I hope it blesses a lot of people, which I think it will. Oh, uh, yeah, but you, you know sure. what time it is, Tony. You know Come what time on, it is. Come on, give me the question. No, I think it's your question for me to be to be real. So we're, you guys know what time it is. It is the friendship quiz. The quiz of all quizzes. And I believe, Tony, this is your question for me because I'm the better friend out of the two of us. Are you now? 100%. Yo, people, let us know in the comments who you think the better friend is. We're going to let the people settle this. So go on IG, go on TikTok, follow us, and let us know who's the better friend. All right. Anyway, I'm going to give you a tricky one. You ready? Always ready. What is my shoe size? Your sh shoe size. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> um, I'm going to say eight and a half. 
Dang, bro. Yep, eight and a half. Look at you, <laughs> dog. Yeah. Look Easy, you, Tony. Okay, I'm okay. a better friend. I peep it all. It's about time you get one right. I get them all right. You don't though. That that's fine. No, who's keeping who's keeping score though? The people. <laughs> the the <laughs> people will settle this. Hey guys, thank you, thank you again for jumping on. Hey, uh, make sure you like, share, leave us a review. Um, also, be on the lookout for some upcoming things that are going to be happening with the Authentically Us podcast. We got some surprises, so stay tuned, stay rocking with us. Until next time, be authentic in everything that you do. Peace, peace.